This is the Italian Citizenship Podcast, hosted by Marco Permunian and Rafael Di Furia. Hello there, and welcome to the first ever Italian Citizenship Podcast. I am Rafael Di Furia, and I am here with Marco Permunian, the head of the U.S. Office of Italian Citizenship Assistance. And this podcast series is being presented by Italian Citizenship Assistance with offices in the U.S. and Italy. And today we are going to be talking about the process of Italian citizenship by descent, also known as Jure Sanguinis. And we have Marco here, an Italian attorney, who will be explaining to us a bit about um, what this process is. And uh, this is a huge part of what Marco does. And some of you may recognize me from my own YouTube channel, where I talk about the subject of Italian citizenship, moving abroad and life abroad. And there have been some people who've been requesting more content specifically on Italian dual citizenship, but I didn't necessarily feel comfortable enough to talk about that on my own. And Marco and I had been talking about um, putting something together and putting our heads together and our effort and this idea for this video podcast came up. And so, you know what, I've done enough blabbering. Let's just get into the nitty gritty. Just elevator pitch. What is Jure Sanguinis? Jure Sanguinis is a principle in citizenship law according to which citizenship is passed from parent to child. At the time of the child's birth, regardless of the place of birth of the child. So, if I'm an Italian citizen and my child will be an Italian citizen, not because he was born in Italy, but because I'm an Italian citizen. So that's how the law works in Italy, which is also how the law works in many other European countries. I'd say probably all of the European countries, except for the UK, where citizenship is acquired by birth on the UK territory. And this is also roughly how it works in the U.S., because in the U.S. it's a combination of um, when you acquire citizenship uh, because of the, the place that you're born, and it's called you solely, um, the, by right of the soil where you are actually born, rather than where Yure Sanguinis is literally translated as by right of blood, Sanguinis being similar to the Italian word of sangue. This is coming from Latin. Exactly. If you are born in America, you become an American citizen just because you were born in the US or in Canada, it works the same way or in South America. Whereas if you are born in Italy, you're not an Italian citizen just because you were born in Italy. And this has actually become a, a huge issue um, in Italy. Recently, yes. Yeah, very recently because of the migrant situation with many children being born here, not stateless, but not as Italian citizens, which has made it difficult for them to remain here or um, to acquire work here. But exactly. This but, is a, but right now, yeah. if you're born in Italy, you're not an Italian citizen. Right. So you are an Italian citizen only if one of your parents was an Italian citizen when you were born. Right. So it's not just about your ancestor having been an Italian citizen, but having the possibility to have been. So like uh, if your great grandfather came from Italy and came to America, um, then each generation would be an Italian citizen technically, or am I wrong there? No, that is correct. So the way the law works is if your great grandfather was an Italian citizen and then went to a foreign country like the US, and if he maintained his Italian citizenship until the birth of his child, then his child was born 
with Italian citizenship. And that child, who could be your grandfather, um, was born also with Italian citizenship, even if he didn't know that, and was able to pass it down onto your father, and then your father passed the Italian citizenship onto you, and that makes you an Italian citizenship under the Yoda Sanguinis principle. So would your grandfather, in this case of, if like a, just this example case of if a person's great-grandfather came from Italy, would their, that person's grandfather have to have been recognized officially as an Italian citizen? No. Uh, so there are situations where the people in the Italian line were not even aware that they had Italian citizenship. Like in this example, if your great-grandfather emigrated to the U.S., then your grandfather was born in the U.S. and he didn't know that he had Italian citizenship and he passed it down to the other generations without knowing it. And now you realize that you can apply for Italian citizenship. You can apply for it based on your line of this line of descent, this lineage that you have. So does this mean that anybody of Italian descent uh, can actually become an Italian citizen? Like, do you just take an ancestry DNA test and if you're X amount percent or above that you're a citizen? Or is how does this all work? It's actually a little bit more complex than that. It has to do with the Italian law. So from a legal standpoint, you need to verify whether your great-grandfather, if that's the one that emigrated from Italy, was still an Italian citizen when his child was born in the foreign country. And he was still an Italian citizen only if he was not a citizen of the foreign country by naturalization. So if he became, if this, in this example case of, if this great-grandfather um, became an American citizen after the birth of his child, then that child would be an Italian citizen. That is correct. So basically, uh, under Italian law, when the immigrant petitioned to become an, a citizen of the foreign country, he lost Italian citizenship. So it is important that he didn't lose his Italian citizenship prior to the birth of his child. And this would have happened automatically. He wouldn't have had to actually go and renounce the citizenship himself. That is correct, yes. Because there's a lot of confusion on that. Basically, people think that because no one ever renounced. It wasn't, it wasn't even like possible to renounce Italian citizenship if you didn't have another citizenship. Right. So it, w it was very rare that... It, it, would, like, it would have been possible for the child who also hold U.S. citizenship to, re to go and renounce Italian citizenship, but not for the immigrant, because the, the only time where the immigrant would lose, lose Italian, Italian citizenship when he became a U.S. citizen. So because it's important to verify this information that your Italian ancestor was not only either an Italian citizen or able to pass down Italian citizenship, um, how would you go about proving that? Is the burden of proof on you or is the burden of proof on the Italian government? It's definitely on you. You have basically to collect documents proving when your ancestor became naturalized, meaning his naturalization papers, or if he never became naturalized, you need to provide documents showing that he never became naturalized. And these documents are issued by the, the authorities in the foreign countries. So in this case, the US government would have uh, either the naturalization records or could be able to provide documents showing that your great-grandfather never became a naturalized so US showing citizen. basically that he was never really on the books, that he either never naturalized uh, and remained in the country illegally or 
just only ever had like a residency permit. Exactly. Yes. And at that point, if your ancestor was an Italian citizen, when his child was born, that means that his child was born with Italian citizenship also under the um, sanguinis principle. He was actually born with dual citizenship, the child of the ancestor. So this, I think, could be a confusing point to some people that the Italian great-grandfather would have lost his, his citizenship to Italy and wouldn't have been able to hold both an American passport and an Italian passport. But then why is the child able to have both an American citizenship and Italian citizenship at the same time? That's a very good question, and it can be confusing, but it's actually very clear once you understand what the Italian law said at the time. So under Italian law, whoever petitioned to become a citizen of another country, so voluntarily lost Italian citizenship. So that immigrant, once he arrived in America and petitioned to become a US citizen, lost his Italian citizenship under Italian law. Whereas the child, of an Italian citizen born in the foreign country acquired the citizenship of the foreign country involuntarily. So that's the difference. And that's why the child wouldn't have lost his Italian citizenship and could maintain both because he became a U.S. citizen just because he was born on so the U.S. Because the kid, you can't swear an oath as a baby basically going against the government that you were born into. That is correct, yes. And Italian citizenship was exclusive, meaning if you want to go and acquire foreign citizenship, you're going to lose Italian citizenship. But if you are a child of an Italian citizen who just happens to be born abroad, then under Italian law, you are allowed to maintain both citizenships and you can pass it down to the other generations. So that's why in this case, like as long as you're not making that oath, as long as you're not voluntarily taking on another citizenship. But what about now in 2019? I almost said 2018. <laughs> We're nearly in 2020. Is the citizenship law the same? Like if a person now from Italy leaves the country and or even becomes a, gets recognized as a citizen of Italy, would it be a problem for them to move to another country, say, for example, Japan or, I don't know, Germany, and get citizenship from another country? Right now, the law is different. It changed in 1992. So the new citizenship law, the 1992 citizenship law, says that people who acquire voluntarily a foreign citizenship can maintain also Italian citizenship. So Italian citizenship is no longer exclusive. Uh-huh. So even so, the difference between someone somebody leaving in 1892 versus 1992 means that... Means a lot, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a huge difference. Exactly. So right now, people are allowed to petition to become citizens of, of foreign countries, like people that go leave somewhere else, and maintain their Italian citizenship. So it sounds like it's a very um, open, almost liberal approach to the citizenship and holding citizenship. And also, if I remember correctly, I, I, there was something about in the early 1900s that one of the reasons why this was allowed was so that children or descendants of Italian citizens would have the option to come back because Italy saw that a lot of people were leaving and this was a huge drain on the country, the economy, and um, just the labor force, the yeah. brain power of the country. And people right now are returning to Italy. People are returning to their homeland like 100 years after their great-grandfather left Italy. 
I mean, I think it's, this is actually what I've done. I mean, I went through the citizenship process specifically so I could live in Italy and I have more family that's coming and we're all here to explore this homeland yeah. of ours, to be able to connect with it in a more tangible way. This is something I've talked about in my videos um, on my YouTube channel. Um, so my viewers are very familiar with my, my views on this subject and the importance of it because it's very interesting to be an Italian-American and realize the difference between Italian-American culture and Italian culture. And while the two may come from the same root, there's one that's very definitely gone off in a different direction. Um, I guess even you could say because of the separation in time from the 1800s, both have kind of gone off in different directions with the same origin point and the influences of the modern age, modern era, trade, uh, cultural exchange have very much affected that. So Italian cuisine, Italian American cuisine is a bit different in America than it might be here in Italy. That's just a, a simple little example. But to get back onto citizenship, um, I think one thing in, that would be important to touch on would be the way that people can apply. In a, in a future um, video, I think we should talk about um, more the application process in Italy. But because it's a bit more popular to apply in a consulate, what are the steps that need to be taken to approach that? How does a person prepare? And even if someone were to come to italiancitizenshipassistance.com, how is it that Italian Citizenship Assistance helps people through the process? So the first step is definitely securing the documents um, to support your citizenship application. So to show the Italian government that you have the right to Italian citizenship, you need to collect a lot of documents from Italy and from the US, showing that you don't have a broken line, so that citizenship was passed from your great-grandfather or whoever you're applying through up to you. And um, you do that by collecting mainly vital record documents, uh, but not only vital record documents, for instance, you need also naturalization documents to show when your ancestor became naturalized. If they became naturalized. If they became naturalized. And once you have all of these documents together, um, you need to translate them into Italian and you need to legalize them and bring them to the consulate the day that you submit your citizenship obligation. But to gather these documents, um, like, it, it, what are the specific documents that are required? Do you have to have documents from Italy or can you only just do documents from America? And if I'm not mistaken, this is actually part of what ICA does as part of the free eligibility assessment. Sure, yes. So the documents that you need are mainly documents from the US, but you also need documents from Italy. Of course, from Italy, you need the birth certificate and the marriage certificate of your Italian ancestor. Um, and from the U.S., you need all the other fighter records. So the one pertaining to your grandfather, father, and yourself. Now, some consulates have slightly different requirements. So there are some consulates, depending on where you live, that will require you to submit extra documents, like not only the documents pertaining to the bloodline, but also documents pertaining to the spouses of the individuals in your Italian line. So not only your 
great-grandfather's documents, but also your great-grandmother's documents, which makes the process a little bit more difficult. So it's not just your direct line, but also the indirect ancestors who are attached, you could say. Yeah, some consulates do that. They, they just want to make the process a little bit more difficult for you. And so the majority of the documents are in the U.S. And when you gather documents, you need to make sure that the documents have no discrepancies right. or inconsistencies because that can be an issue. So whenever you encounter a discrepancy, you need to make sure to amend it if it's a major discrepancy. So like you're saying a discrepancy, like your great grandfather, just again, using this uh, example, um, he was born in Italy as Giuseppe, but then arrived in America and decided to sell, call himself Joe or Joseph or completely changing his name in Clark. Well, you, that one would be a minor discrepancy that I would not... Um, as long as it's like a direct translation. Exactly, but there are cases where the last name, for example, changed, uh -huh. and that could be a major problem. Uh, so whenever, so if there's like a large major change, that's not a direct translation. Exactly. Sometimes when dates do not match, that can be an issue too. So like an example, if it's just a direct translation of Anthony and Antonio, like then it's not. Yeah, such that's a gonna big be deal. fine. Exactly. Okay. So, so as as long as you don't have major discrepancies, you'll be fine. But if you have major discrepancies in your documents, it may be worth to amend your documents. And is that something that Italian Citizenship Assistance also helps people with? Yeah, we help people not only gather all the documents from Italy and from the US, but also we help people amend their documents when they have major inconsistencies. Uh, and that's something that just having been listening to this community and been a part of this community of people who are interested in the subject of Italian dual citizenship. I know this is something that is not necessarily the most common, um, but very necessary. And I, I've known people who've not dealt with these issues and it's become a major headache for them. Yes, you want to realize that you have an issue at the beginning of the process because if you get to the very end of the process and you meet with the consulate and they tell you that you have an issue at the end of the process then you need to start over so it's just best to do everything right the first the time around yes kind of starting to touch on the subject of the time frame um, getting things done right the first time to help you ha help a person just have a shorter process uh, of course, this being one of the ways to help shorten that process as much as possible. What are the wait times like? How long does this process actually take to complete in general? That's a good question. It, it depends. It depends on where you live. So it depends also on what consulate you have to deal with. So if you're in a country like the U.S. where the percentage of Italian-Americans is very high, not too high, but very high, then you have to deal with consulates that are very busy. And there are some consulates that are busier than others. Mm -hmm. For example, if you live in the Los Angeles consular jurisdiction, mm -hmm. then you have to deal with the Los Angeles consulate and they have a very, very long wait time, mm -hmm. whereas wait time for the first available appointment. Whereas if you live in the Detroit area and you have to deal with the Detroit consulate, the wait time is very short. So just to get an idea, because 
long and short can be relative terms. Um, I know at one point the Los Angeles consulate was up to 12 years plus, but now it's down to like three years or something. Right now, luckily, it's just a couple of years to be able to get your first appointment in Los Angeles. And in a place like Detroit, how it'd be shorter? Right now, yes, it's definitely shorter. And the wait time there is a little bit over one year, which is okay. the average. I'd say that the average wait time in the U.S., the wait time for a citizenship appointment would be between 12 and 18 months right now. So that's a significant chunk of time, but worthwhile for sure. <laughs> for sure, yes. If, if you live in Brazil, uh, the wait time is like much, much longer. It's, I know at one point in the city of Sao Paulo, it was like 20 years for yeah. just that first appointment. Now it's much better, but it's, it's a very different situation and a tricky situation because also something we've spoken about in uh, just in our conversations is that there's a much higher percentage of um, people who are of Italian descent in South American countries because there were many more people who chose to go to these countries because the languages were much more similar. Portuguese is much sim more similar and Spanish is much more similar to Italian than English is. So it's a much easier transition from exactly. one to the other. Exactly. The percentage of people of Italian descent is much higher in countries like Brazil or even Argentina right. than people of Italian descent in America. I remember I, I was just reading an article recently and it said, I think that there's 46 million people total in Argentina, but 20, oh no, it's 40, 40 million. And then I think 26 million are of a, can trace their lineage back to Italy. So this is a very, very high percentage yes. of people, much higher than even in America. And also I think one interesting note for Italian Americans is that um, it's a different, it was a different immigration of people who went to South America versus North America. A lot of people who went to North America seem to be more Southern Italian and Sicilian, whereas uh, people who went to South America are very generally um, Northern Italian and actually ended up, it's almost two different waves of immigration. I think that's just an interesting yeah. uh, little tidbit. There are exceptions, but that is correct. Yes, people from areas like northern italy they used to go to south america mainly uh brazil mm -hmm. and argentina like people that were from the veneto region which is my region uh, a lot of those people went to brazil whereas people from southern italy and i'd say mostly sicily puglia uh, campania they went to North America, so the yeah, U.S. This is very much the situation for my family. My family came from Campania, and um, they ended up in, in, in the Northeast, which is very common. Like, where my grandfather grew up, it was people speaking that those Southern dialects, and he grew up just hearing that, just experiencing that growing up. But I think to get back more into the process of Italian citizenship, um, and the total amount of time. Because we were talking about the time for the first uh, meeting when you actually present your documents. Once you've actually made your application and presented your documents, roughly how long does this, the process normally take? So once again, it, it depends. Uh, there are some consulates that are um, faster than others. By law, an Italian consulate has up to two years to process your citizenship application, meaning to approve it or deny it. Uh, but the, I'd say that right now, the average processing time 
after your citizenship appointment is between six months and 12 months. Okay. So that's, it's not too long. It's a fair amount of time, but it's not like an overnight process. Yeah. In general, it's a long process, but still doable right now. Like mm -hmm. people can get citizenship in, in a couple years. of years. Yeah. Yes. And something that we'll talk about in a future video is that time can even be less if you decide to actually make your application petition here in Italy. Exactly. And the main difference is if you apply in Italy, you do not have to wait to meet with the consulate. So you do not have to book an appointment in advance and you can just go straight to Italy and apply for citizenship whenever your documents are ready. In America, what a lot of people I know, what they do is they make their appointment because it can take a little while to get their appointment. And during the waiting time, they gather documents. Exactly. So whereas with Italy, you just gather your documents as soon as you've got them all, hop on a plane. I mean, it's not just as simple as that, but to, to, to very much um, simplify this, oversimplify this idea, um, that basically you just come over to Italy and all of a sudden you walk in the comune and say, where's my citizenship? You don't say that, but roughly you can kind of start getting that process handled Yeah, let's say if you have the possibility of applying in Italy, it's definitely worth considering it. But if you cannot take time off from work, then you just have to apply at your local consulate. I know for sure in my situation, I would have much preferred to get the process done here in Italy, but I ended up doing my process abroad just because in my own particular situation, um, it necessitated doing it abroad just financially. Um, but I'm very much, and people know in my videos that I speak about this, if you can apply in Italy, it's much better to apply in Italy because you get to start experiencing Italy, especially if you're considering to move to Italy. This is a huge thing to be able to live in Italy during that processing time and get your life started already. Whereas my situation, um, wanting to move to Italy, but applying outside of Italy, I felt very trapped because you don't also you also don't want to change your residence during the processing time, and uh, so I needed to stay where I was and not really able to move to Italy uh, because I had already started the process, and if I had just come to Italy, then I would have had to start from the beginning. So I know for people who are wanting that are itching to get to Italy. It's worthwhile considering, but to apply abroad, it can also be a good opportunity to get your life in order before making that jump. And I'd say also that if you have a very complicated case, uh, which is not a standard case, I would just not apply in Italy with a case like that. I would just apply at the consulate where people and clerks that work in the consulate are more familiar with the Italian citizenship law and maybe can be better suited to handle a different, uh, a difficult case. So what would you say would be a difficult case? Because I know in Italy there are certain things that are just very different here. For example, um, women don't change their name when they get married. And I know when applying in Italy, that can be something that's very confusing for Italian clerks to deal with. So is it things like that where like name changes of people, like you have multiple name changes or multiple divorces and marriages? No, not necessarily. I was thinking more because, you know, the Italian uh, municipalities where you apply, when you apply for citizenship in Italy, will know how to deal with discrepancies. What I was referring to is like, 
if your ancestor did not, for example, go straight to the US, but he went to France. And because people born in France do not acquire citizenship by birth in France, um, but rather they get citizenship here in Sanguinis. So in through a, their lineage rather exactly. than by the location. In a case like this, it may be easier to deal with a clerk in an Italian consulate that is probably more experienced, that is more familiar with the Italian citizenship laws than a clerk in an Italian municipality. I would assume also because uh, a clerk in a consulate may be more familiar with the processing of foreign documents, whereas a clerk in Italy would be more familiar with the processing of documents, domestic documents, rather than such familiarity with even American documents and to start producing documents from five countries rather than one country with different rules necessary for each because there are some countries um, where you do require an apostille and there's other countries where an apostille just doesn't exist. Exactly. So in those cases, it's definitely easier to deal with a consulate. If you have a complex case, just do it at the consulate. It's going to be much easier. And one thing that I'm just going to quickly mention, which we're not going to talk about today, uh, there is another complication which can arise uh, if you are going through a female ancestor who gave birth before 1948. Italian law until that time was through the male lineage, which is one of the reasons why we've been speaking mostly about a male lineage line, because that's just the most direct path to citizenship. But for example, if, like in my case, making a claim through my mother, uh, I was able to make that claim, but because I was born to a female who, uh, it was clearly I was born after 1948. I mean, <laughs> otherwise I'm looking real good. <laughs> um, so that way I was able to claim citizenship through a female. Uh, but there are those other cases. In that situation, you would have to go through a judicial process, but that is going to be a separate topic for a different video for another day. But I just quickly wanted to touch on that because there are situations where that does come up. Yeah, exactly. So speaking, generally speaking, to qualify for Italian citizenship, so in order to be able to file your application either at the consulate or at the comune, uh, you need to make sure that you do not have a female ancestor in your Italian line whose child was born before January 1st, 1948. But it doesn't mean that you're excluded from citizenship if that is the case. You can still get citizenship. You can still be able to get citizenship, but in a different way. Uh, basically, uh, technically, you, you're not eligible to apply for Italian citizenship. Oh, really? Yes, under Italian law. But there is this ruling by the Italian Supreme Court that said that situations like this were highly discriminatory against women. So uh, if you petition the court, if, you, if your case falls in that category, you can petition the Italian court and most likely you will get Italian citizenship even if you, are, if you have a female ancestor whose child was born prior to 1948. So that's interesting. I, I didn't realize that myself. I was assuming that it was the same situation as someone who's applying through Yudai Sanguinis, but technically they're not a citizen. But anyway, I think this is a better subject to really leave off for another time. But I think it's important to touch on that subject briefly. But for sure, if you are interested in that subject or any other subjects to do with Italian citizenship, feel free to leave that down in the comment section below. And at some point, we may be able to answer that here in a video and go through questions, things that you might be curious about Italian citizenship, because I mean, we've got a great resource here in Italian 
Italian, a bona fide Italian lawyer. And of course, if you're interested in the services of Marco's firm in, with their Italian and American offices, you can go to italiancitizenshipassistance.com. And for further updates about this video podcast, you can go to the Facebook page, Italian Citizenship Assistance, all very easy to find. Links to everything will be down in the more info section below here on YouTube. And thank you so much for joining us here on this first Italian citizenship podcast presented by italiancitizenshipassistance.com. I'm Raffaele Di Furia and this is Marco Permunian and we will see you all next time. Thank you. Later. Bye.